Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oratari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who's definitely making his cows very uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, he's like really cranking on this, man. Like, it's like, oh, shoop, yeah. shoop. Like, I mean, like, he's moving his hand at least a foot straight down. Like, that's those yeah. poor cows. Um, presumably, he's exaggerating to make sure she understands. I believe that. I, I am a literalist when it comes to movies, and I believe them entirely. All of them. Well, I mean, what what he's what he's the lesson he's teaching her inadvertently is that America is such a rich country that the teats of our cows are three feet long. <laughs> yeah, they drag on the uh, ground. <laughs> yeah, our cows are just tall. <laughs> right. Tall. Okay. All right. Yeah. All of our cows are are nine feet tall. And have and have uh, udders with teats that are at least three feet long. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We've got 56 bonus episodes over there now. What? That's unbelievable. Well, you say that like it's not, but it is actually unbelievable to me. Lost in Criterion has been an ongoing project for many years, uh, and it's hard to conceptualize in my mind just how long we've been doing it but when i look at the patreon and think about how uh there's 50 episodes of the patreon which we only record once a month yeah and we didn't we didn't start the patreon when we started the podcast obviously um but uh well the the patreon is is the most sort of mind fuck for me because in my mind the patreon only started like last year like it's perpetually only started like a year or two ago and yeah. like, no, 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 Pat, it did not. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, but we have fun over there every month. We do a non-criterion film. Yourself. Our supporters. It is fun. <laughs> it's usually fun. Today, today, 99% I'm going, of the time, it's fun. Uh, today is going to be my, my very antagonistic uh, <laughs> yes. persona. All right, all right. I'll allow it once. Um, <laughs> very rarely do we have a movie over there that... Uh, Puts Pat in an antagonist. No, I mean, persona. like even the the, the dumb uh, ones are fun to talk to you about, and oftentimes they right, involve, right, and right. oftentimes like those are actually like a lot of fun to talk about. Usually, yeah, we do. Like I said, uh, supporters get to vote on it, so I put together a list every month based on whatever whim I'm feeling that month, and sometimes it's based on supporters suggesting a list or suggesting a particular movie they think we should watch, and usually if it works out timing wise that. Uh, we watch the movie that they wanted, and uh, they can join us. We try to get them on there. So a little more often over there, we talk to people about movies they really love, which is always fun to do, too. Um, not that our supporters don't love movies that are actually in the Criterion Collection. Uh, they do, and often I we mean, presumably supporters. that's why they, they listen to the podcast. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I suppose it's possible that they listen to it for purely the charisma that you and I ooze all over the place. Oh, but, yes. Uh, I think they generally like the movies. Yeah, probably. Presumably. Anyway, um, 
but yeah, it's fun to have guests over there. It's fun to have guests over here too. And of course, we we know, don't have guests here, Hannah. Oh, we did. no, we, we do. Very I just recently had, had guests over here. We had Adam Speakerman on the Golden Age of Television. I, I just like four weeks ago forget uh, things a lot. Yeah. Right. I, I actually, um, I, what it is is now in my mind, I've so intensely codified like guests as bonus episodes. I just mentally catalog all the ones where right. we have them on the main podcast with guests. I'm like, oh, that was just a bonus episode. It's like, no, Pat, I it see. wasn't. I see. Well, we'll break you of that eventually. Okay. I'm scared, but all right. Is there, is there an electrified uh, chair involved? I'm just asking because I, mean, I know you maybe. have access to one. <laughs> you know I do. It's in a closet at my parents' house for some reason. Dollar a month, you get access to the bonus episodes and you get to vote. And uh, you get our ear if you, you want to suggest something. Though, honestly, anyone on Twitter has our ear. All you have to do is at tweet me and I'll, I'll probably take it under consideration. Uh for a little extra five dollars a month, uh, for people who you know want and can afford to and want to help us keep going a little bit more, we like to thank those folks on air. Thank you so much to Andrew Jarrett, to Eric Coronado, to Stephen Goldmeyer, and Chris Otto, our current five dollars supporters. Yes, thank you very much. A bit above that, we do something that I think is really nice. It is. Pat nice. makes a piece of art. It is. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard once a month, and we send that out. A little personalized note from me, some uh, bespoke art from Pat, and mail. Who doesn't love yeah, mail? Mail is great. I like mail. I sometimes just order things because I want to get mail. <laughs> just because you want to get yeah, mail. Yeah, kind of. Uh, man, consumerism. Uh, anyway. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I like <laughs> mail. I'm lonely. What do you want from me? I want, yeah. I want to feel like people are <laughs> mailing things to me. And that makes sense, and I, I wish people would mail me things. Maybe we can like reverse the Patreon at some point and be no, like, no, I, no, like maybe. All right, guys, I'll for twelve dollars a month, you get to mail me art. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, we'll we'll work on. Yeah, that. we'll, we'll, we'll keep workshopping. We'll I'm we sure can we can. Do. We got. We just yeah. gotta find the right price point, and then. Right, right. Anyway, at ten dollars and above, you get that postcard, and we also like to thank those folks on air. Thank you so much to our current ten dollars and above supporters: Adam Speakerman, Tracy McGrath, Patrick Yako, Nina Bojnak, and Jason Westaver. Thank you. If you want to check out those postcards, you can head over to uh, Redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion, and you can see all the past postcards. Buy them if you like. Buy them as postcards or as greeting cards or as stickers. Uh, but if you want them fresh. You want them with the note. You got to support us at patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Thank you so much to all our supporters. And thank you, everybody who listens. Yeah. We're just so happy to have you. Yeah. Uh, a thing I like about Redbubble is one of their, like, generic, like, you know how they do those, like, generated images for the art, like, what it would look like in these positions? For the sticker is always on a water bottle. And I'm just thinking about people walking around with, like, some of the things we've put out there yes. on a water bottle and just how upsetting that would be in the in the grand scheme of things i agree it's nothing to think about guys go buy stickers and put them on your water bottles make your make people who know you confused and uncomfortable <laughs> pat this week we are continuing through the ward film trilogy of Roberto Rossellini, our box set that is spine number five hundred is the box wow, set. Wow, five hundred! Uh, yeah, unbelievable. We've been doing this for a long time. 
Um, the uh, in order to make spine number five hundred be the box set, though, Criterion did something that they've never done before. I don't think uh, where each of the individual films comes before the box set. Yeah, they've never in, done that before. In this in is this order. is all yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is actually spine number 498 that we'll be talking about this week, Paisan, uh, from 1946. As I said, Rossellini, it's a neorealist film. Um, it's his follow-up. Uh, last week we talked about uh, Rome Open City, and Rome Open City had international success within, within, uh, <laughs> within Italy itself. Uh, there wasn't a real positive response to Rome Open City, it seems like. Uh, but internationally, it really caught on. Uh, in uh, in France, in particularly. And it's it's Paisan and Rome Open City that really are the, I think, ideological uh, foundation stones of the people who would start making French New Wave films in a similar style uh, in the coming decade after this. Um and I don't think we mentioned it last week. I think it, it slipped away from us. But Rome Open City did win uh, top prize. It was not Palme d'Or at the time, but it did win pot and top prize at Cannes that year. Uh, though, interestingly enough, and we talked about this in a bonus episode, this month's bonus episode, talking about Marty. And it turns out that in 1946, when... Rome Open City wins the top prize. Eleven other movies won top prize at right. At, yeah, I at mean, con. it was a bit of a uh, different uh, kind of thing yeah, at the time, yeah. apparently, because they hadn't had it for a few years. Um, and uh, Rossellini makes a really great self-effacing joke in interviews about it, where he talks about uh, at, at con the showing was at three p.m. and he was the only one who was there, which I guarantee is one hundred percent not. Oh true. yeah, I mean, like, like I don't. <laughs> Let's say we're just literally, unless top prizes were literally just participation trophies. Right, 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 right. Like, well, somebody saw it. Yeah. In any case, uh, even outside of Cannes, Rome Open City caught on in France, caught on, Paisan caught on in France, and they both caught on in the U.S. as well, and eventually, I think, caught on in Italy. It just took a little while, and it wasn't the sort of movies that Italians were looking. I, you know, honestly, I get it. Italians coming out of the war would have wanted escapism. Right, yeah. I, uh, I, honestly, like, it really... Well, and, like, um, was it Rome Open City? Yeah, it was Rome Open City. I'm rem- trying to remember, like, Rome Open City is, like, they describe in one of the documentaries as being sort of a... The thing that sort of... Part of what helped m- get Italy a seat at the table at sort of the peace talks and, like, get it some recognition that, like... You know what I mean? Like, because up at... Like, and this is, of course, I think... sounds a lot like kind of mythos building and speculation but like the idea that like until people saw it they were like like who gives a shit what happens to Italy like and then they saw it and they like like oh well maybe we should like think about what we're gonna do like in Italy Uh, again it sounds like kind of maybe not true but like um, at the same time you can sort of see that like it kind of feels like to a certain extent Robobit City is not and Paisan by extension I think also it's not really meant for the Italians to a certain extent. Um, it's kind of more like meant to be cast out into the world to be like as a way I for other fair. people to think about Italy. The only thing, the only reason I would say that maybe Paisan's not that way is there is the sort of way that Paisan is very much about uh, even then. Yeah, 
because it's all about Italians and like what they were doing during the war. Yeah, but it's also all about international solidarity with Italians during the war. Right. Yes, right? that's also true. <laughs> because we've got we've got American soldiers uh, frequently helping uh, first and last one, uh, particularly American soldiers. Um, episode two also has an American soldier who uh, reacts with sympathy to the plight of the Italians. Um, episode four, no, three is particularly about an American soldier falling in love with an Italian woman, an Italian woman falling in love with that American soldier. That is definitely mutual there. Um, and episode five is sort of a weird religious. Uh, is it five or four? One. I get confused. Five, five is the religious okay. one. Four is, four is about an English uh, nurse. Who oh, I forgot. With an Italian. Yeah, there's so many stories in this one. That it, like it's yeah, really hard. Six. To... Yeah, yeah. there's six, and they build chronologically. Um, so we start with the invasion of Sicily, uh, the Allies retaking Sicily. Well, not retaking Sicily, I guess, but kicking the Germans out of Sicily, um, uh, and then we move up the boot uh, and forward in time as we move forward through the stories and we build narratively in as much as narratively episode one makes sense as the first episode and episode six makes sense as the last episode yeah i, I mean yeah they really... don't they don't there's no real interconnection between them except for like right. a sort of a progress in the relationship between americans and italians in the sense that like right 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 you know it becomes less antagonistic and more like communal to a certain extent, more like, right, of like right. a, a, like a mutual relationship as the stories progress. Yeah. Um, Whereas Rome open city is, uh, and we discussed this very much last week. Rome open city is, uh, propaganda for reunification, uh, of Italy in as much as Italy has just gone through a civil war as well as an international war. Um, so Rome open city is about we're all Italians and we're, we all hate the Nazis and we've got to come together. Uh, and this is a story about how we came together. Uh, this one is a story about international solidarity with Italy and we're Italians, uh, but we belong on the international stage. And this is stories about how, uh, we owe the allies and how the allies uh, are our friends and continue continue that mutually beneficial right. relationship. Right. I mean, and, uh, th that being said, um, Tag Gallagher's sort of article on this, I think it was his, maybe it was a different one, uh, does comment about like sort of the sort of hidden four Italian messages in this. And I, again, yeah. I don't know how, if I agree 100%, but he does talk about like a lot of it takes place on the rubble of right, Italy right, right, that right, the, right. the Americans seem completely oblivious to uh, because yeah. they many times are the ones who made it and f see it as right. a positive action. Whereas for the for the Italians of the movie, these are there's mixed emotions about like that and the idea that like, well, I mean, like you blew up this building like they they don't explicitly say it. But like the little boy in the second one, is it the second one? Yeah, Pasquale is his Pasquale, name. Pasquale, he's like in theory, his parents were killed by American bombs. Like it's a thing, right? That, right? Like, right? Right? We don't. I don't think they ever actually say that. I think that is a read on the movie, but nonetheless, it it makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. like, and that's yeah. part of 
part of the dark joke of the title of Rome Open City is that Rome declared itself an open city, and the idea of an open city is that you capitulate. Uh, you say, don't destroy anything, we surrender. Uh, whereas Rome still got destroyed, uh, right. and it got destroyed, as we see in that movie, uh, by American bombs more than uh, Nazi occupation. Um, which is not to say that the Nazis were better than the Americans by any means. Uh, right. But, it's just that the, uh, this movie in some ways is a commentary on the idea that the Americans are here and like, what are we supposed to think about them? And like, right. What, how do we make, how do we deal with the fact that in many ways they're the ones who blew up all the stuff that's blown up right now? <laughs> like, how do we right, deal with right. the fact that they, you know, that are they and 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 I don't know that the movie really engages as heavily as some of the documentary materials in, seem to imply, with the idea of like are the new guys with guns better than the old guys with guns? Right. The movie, I think, I can imagine that movie, and that this movie is at best an extremely light version of that. I think, I think it's extremely light throughout. Uh, episode one is sort of the hardest it gets yes, at yeah. that, um, and it also represents the beginning nice of this the the of the right. invasion, which makes it like as I was talking about, like as it becomes l- like less antagonistic as the stories progress, basically in a lot right. of ways. Right. Until in the last one, it's pure solidarity. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, in the first one. <laughs> There's also a movie about lack of communication. You know, it's right. not uh, a main a main thread of this movie is the inability to communicate and and uh, no. I've... Episode one is really the only spot where that inability to communicate actually leads to tragedy. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and sort of only arguably there i'd say well i mean you can read it's you can read that that's not a point of the movie it's just something that happens in the movie yeah i i would definitely Um, say that like yeah definitely trouble with communication is definitely a theme but yeah i even that one like he it would be it would be very if you were to try to make that a real life argument that she caused his death that would be bullshit right i think let's back up and i suppose clearance of of terminology uh trouble with communication is a motif in this movie more than a theme a theme implies uh a theme implies that that is part of a lesson that the the narrative i suppose at least in my understanding um whereas whereas here it's just it's a thing that exists and is a backbone but it's not necessarily trying to say anything broader um except that it happened um Anyway, with episode one, the way that happens is phenomenal. Uh, just with the Americans arriving, all gung ho, pointing their guns at people in a church, uh, and all those who people are apparently saying, trying to do maybe do a funeral or at least some, uh, want to yeah. do a funeral can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, when soldiers with guns show up, they say "Welcome in." They assume they're Germans, and they try. They're trying to ingratiate themselves to them as Germans. Uh, find out they're American, and then immediately just explode with questions about uh, the state of the war and the state of the outside world and uh, 
why do you speak Italian and where are you from? Yeah, the, the, and the one antagonistic one, guy. The one Italian um, interpreter, right, that they've got, that right, this group right. of soldiers has with them is like, it's kind of a comedic character to a certain extent, right? Like it's, uh, he's like talking to, like he's trying to have these like seven conversations all at once with all of these these right. different Italian people. And there's this, this one dude in town who's like, wait a minute, there aren't any like GL or whatever, like his like family name. Like, He's like right, right. super, super suspicious of the guy, which like fair, like I would be too. Like, who the fuck are you? Why are you here? Like, um, but yeah, like it, it's, it's a very, it's actually like one of the few sort of kind of comedic scenes in this in this movie, really. Like, um, just it's fun. It's funny to watch. There's tension in it, but it's also just funny to watch. And like his, the, this guy's like commander is getting more and more frustrated that he can't give him a straight answer. But like, right? Like the villagers are not interested in answering questions. The villagers are interested in asking questions about what's going on. And like, it, there's just a lot of um. Even with the with even with a person there who has the ability to communicate, communication is difficult. Which is, I think, a fascinating phenomenon in that in that one. Right, one hundred percent. Yeah, and then obviously uh, the communication between Joe and Camilla are is is also rife with uh, you know uh, figuring things out, you know, and working it through. And as I said, uh, Joe's trying to communicate that the woman he's talking about is not his wife, but his sister. Uh, he pulls out a lighter to show, so she, so Camilla can see the picture more clearly. Well, and his face, specifically uh, his face. He's like trying to show a comparison yes. between his face and her face to show that like they're the same face. Right, 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 right. And that gets yeah. him shot. And that's that's what gets him shot by a Nazi who will shoot anything he sees, any light he sees. Um, we, I mean, like more more admittedly, very like. This is this is more of a war movie in many ways than um, oh yeah Robo City was, so it like makes more sense that like it's about like kicking the Nazis out of Italy very specifically right but like right. it's you know the when we do encounter Nazis directly they are like hyper barbaric uh, right which isn't to say I think that's necessarily a wrong interpretation of Nazis or anything like that it's just worth noting. That they are, yeah. they are, they are noticeably rougher characters than the Americans are being compared with. Right, in the right. I think it's I think it's interesting in this one too because the Americans are still rough. Yeah, right? they're uh, they're in the church with guns drawn on everybody and fingers on triggers, uh, and they make jokes about Joe and Camilla getting together yeah. while everyone else is is scouting. Um, and they, they don't do anything to assage the other townspeople of the fear that that is what's going to happen to Camilla if she goes with them. Um, but then the movie makes a point of showing that the Nazis aren't, aren't making jokes. The Nazis are, Nazis are, yeah, there's no lots to find out who gets to. Right. The Nazis are laughing, but they're not jokes. The Nazis are like wildly or like intensely evil in this, in this scenario. Right. Um, and like really in the end, like 
there I think we're supposed to draw a comparison there. We are supposed to be drawing a comparison there that like the jokes about Joe are are that uncomfortable kind of joke where like are they are are they joking? But especially in older movies, they're supposed to be just read as pure jokes. You know what I mean? Like we're like right, the audience right. is supposed to think it's funny too. Um, well, you and I might not, but like the person who made right. the movie thought that that it was funny, right? Like thought these are jokes. Whereas like the Nazis are in no there's no implication that they're making jokes even a little bit, right? Like it's just just gross like like yeah. monster behavior, right? Right. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the the Nazi, particularly in this one, and this is really the first one and the last one are really the only times we directly interact with Nazis. Yep, it too. Is. Yep, absolutely. Right. I mean, the other um, ones where they're like, the other one with the nurse is fascist, but maybe also Nazis. It's very unclear. The the, right. the antagonist they, in that is kept really unclear throughout most of it. Right, and we never really see any of them directly. No, no, no. Right, like the closest always, we get is like shooting from a far away. single fascist being like kicked by some people at one point, but yeah, yes. we don't we yes. don't see them at all. Yeah, um, yeah. So number one, the Nazis have faces and they're bad, and they have they have banter among each other. You know, the there is there is a mirrored relationship in the uh in the camaraderie in camaraderie of the unit of the american soldiers and the nazi soldiers right? right um we get we get a balance of them interacting in similar ways uh and again the americans are comedic and have bravado um like when when they, when they first approach that that castle that they end up staying in for the night and the uh, the commander says, Harry, what would you say if I asked you to go alone to scout that place? And Harry responds, I'd reply with a polite but firm no thanks. Right, yeah. There's um, there's some actual, yeah. like, good, like, pretty right. decent comedic writing that happens in yeah. there. Yeah. The, the Nazis um, do not get the same treatment with regards to that, right? right? Like, the, the Nazis, Nazis are not comedic. Jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, which carries a line yeah. with what we've talked about with Rousselin before, which is, like, I think it carries through, right? Like, because when we get to the end, the last one is also the Nazis are just murder monsters. Yeah, and that right. that seems to fit with yeah. an idea that like we need the world to understand that like all the bad stuff in Italy is the, is the result of the right. Nazis. Yes, Rossellini has has Rossellini correctly believes that Nazism is utterly evil. Right. No arguments uh, there. Yeah, Rossellini incorrectly. Uh, presents a world where Nazism is the only evil and that all other evil is because of Nazism. Uh, and that's, that's not just patently false. It's also just unhealthy. Right. <laughs> because, well, and, and, and really, by the time you get to this one, your idea, there are no Italians right. who are working against the good of the Italian state in this movie. Like, against right, the, right. the good of the Italian people, I should say, in this movie, basically. Yeah. Like, we don't get any. We get one. I think we get one single Italian fascist in this entire movie, and he's being kicked by a bunch of of uh, <laughs> right, uh, partisans. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and one episode one also ends with uh, 
the sort of lack of communication uh, sows distrust because the rest of the Americans come back and assume at first that, uh, or maybe uh, I, forever, you know, maybe, no, maybe they not even at first. In, in, they, yeah. we, we never are presented with a situation where their their understanding of the situation is rectified. They believe right. that Camilla betrayed Joe. Joe. Now, mind you, they have right. no reason to. Be, they. That's a silly thing to believe in a lot of ways, right? Uh, yes. Especially like, but like in the end, that's what they believe. They they don't trust the Italians. Um, right. And we know we know as the audience what happens to Camilla. Um, we don't know exactly what happens. Thank God. Uh, because right. we are spared some of there the is, details yes, by the movie. There is a time jump between when Camilla is captured and when we see Camilla is dead. And uh, we can given assume. what the Germans have already talked about, there are certainly Well, we are yeah, spared those details, right. which is something I very right. much appreciate um, in the movie. Um, and and the, the Americans and the, the, and the Nazis never actually come to blows in that one at all. Like, they, there's no direct right. interaction. They, they miss they each interact. other. Their ship's passing yeah. in the night. They don't interact. They, they, they interact exclusively through the Italian people, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to episode two, which is also a lot about uh, lack of ability to communicate, but also has the added detriment i think in a lot of ways of of being a fully comedic episode well uh, it's a weird having... one right because like if you again like the critiques well not fully comedic it's not not fully true. comedic it does end with a sort of like yeah like hey here's recognition of reality yeah, yeah. but what's what i found interesting about that one is the fact that like they the some of the documentary stuff talks about like trying sort of tries to read that one a little bit deeper. And I don't know if it's entirely earned, but um, you get in this idea that like our character, there's sort of layers in here, right? Like he sees himself as a hero. Our, our main, our main uh, American character who, again, I've forgotten yeah. everybody's name in this episode. So in all of these, he's actually, is he not named? He's not really even named. Fred. Uh, Pascale Fred. calls him Joe or yeah, Pascali calls him Joe, but like, oh no, sorry, uh, no, sorry, I'm on the wrong one. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. I don't Fred know. is Joe. Fred is episode yeah, three. Joe. Fred is uh, yeah, yes, Joe. So Joe, which is probably not Joe's name. Let's be very clear here. Yeah. Um, it sort of is like kind of reliving his glory in like in the capturing of like helping to capture Italy, while at the same time being compared with Pasquale, who is is in many ways a victim of that capturing of Italy, right? His parents are killed. Um, right. But also, like, it sort of very briefly acknowledges the idea that Joe might be having a better life right now here than he could possibly right. have at home, right? right? Like, right. Um, which is which is fascinating. Yeah. It's not great, but, it, I mean, it's not that well done, but it is still an interesting thing to just be in the movie. Right. As an MP, you know, Joe's got authority here, um, unquestioned authority here, too. Uh, you know, there's no – he doesn't need to get his boots back because he's going to be in trouble if he doesn't get his boots back, right? Right. He, needs, he wants to get his boots back to impose order, um, which is his job, right? 
Uh, he is, yeah. Uh, but also, you know, he's in, for the first half of this, he's drunk. Uh, right. So, like, yeah. Um, so he has, he has the ability to to be drunk without fear. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can, I can see there are ways I can think that that reading. Well, I mean, yes, accurate. It, I I but, would agree in general, just based on like when they yeah. talk about that in the documentary, they bring up the fact that for a little while he gets while he's drunk, he gets very. He gets a little bit more dire, like dour and serious than he is the rest of the time he's drunk, talking about he does not want to go back home. And the right. thing is, is I don't think most of the... We are supposed to, I think, understand that compared to most of the soldiers there, that's the opposite situation, right? Most right. of the other American soldiers there w- w- want to go home. Whereas, like, Joe's life doesn't necessarily get better by going home. He's got, like... An entire sort of, and again, I don't know how much this is Rosalina's idea, but it's certainly a thing that Joe does and gets pretty serious about for a very short period of time uh, before going back to kind of just being a drunken dude just wandering right. around the city. Um, right. Yeah. And Rossellini and the other decision makers around making this movie understand that they are doing something by casting Dodge Johnson as right. Joe as opposed to anyone else. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, as opposed to uh, a white actor, right? You know, it is it is a choice. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, where that choice is made gets into some sort of stereotypical this is also portrayals true. Right, of right. African Like That's why I would say that, like, this is yeah. not not exactly a good example of this. It's it's right, just a thing right, worth right, noting right. that it seems to be a thing they might be trying to comment on. Um, yeah. Uh, another thing that's brought up in that documentary, which I thought was an interesting point. Again, I, 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 I really hesitate to ascribe as much um, seriousness of consideration in design to the movie as what the commentators on this movie are willing to ascribe to it. Um, and they described it like, you know, we've got a puppet show and Joe's fighting puppets in a puppet show and the idea that like are like what is the American occupation and what is like what were the Nazis like? Are they just puppets fighting puppets and, and a lot of this I don't right. know if that read is all that great. I think it's most I yeah. think we're mostly supposed to take away from it a sort of sense of buffoonery that like these people who invaded are buffoons to a certain extent right uh powerful and dangerous buffoons but buffoons nonetheless and you know that i think that might be more in line with who don't really see and like we dealt with this this one oddly enough reminds me the most of japanese films post-war japanese films we've seen in a lot of ways um Especially as very, very like early post-war uh, Japanese films, this idea that like there are these Americans here imposing their order, who have no ability to recognize like the destruction and like havoc that they have wreaked in this place, or right. and don't care, like right. You you and you're even, an enemy. Even if that they we did recognize, and yeah. Even if they did recognize it and did care, have no ability to do anything, which is why Joe runs away right. at the end. 
right? Yeah. And that's, you know, ultimately what the Americans are going to do in this situation is just eventually they're going to leave. Yeah. And materially, nothing's going to have changed when they leave. Right. And, and, uh, and it's interesting to me to see a real, a real like similarity with Japanese film about that. Right. Like that we don't like because they while there are obviously serious differences there, there is an there is a real obvious similarity and these are both occupied by the allies, the same set of allies. Like the exact you know, like the same it's both America occupying in both capacities and it's what and they just they, they come it's interesting to see the two cinemas come to essentially the exact same conclusion. Right. Like independent of each other. Is a is a fascinating phenomenon to see. It's like, oh yeah, they these these guys don't care. They will eventually they wreak a bunch of havoc and eventually will just leave and leave a mess behind and nothing will have gotten better. Is something that they both seem to have come to, which is fascinating. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's there's a lot in this one that reminds me of like Drunken Angel, the Kurosawa, yeah, yeah, yeah. forty eight, which is you know just just that it takes place in a completely ravaged, yes, yeah, uh, you know, we're we're looking at the results of war on regular people, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, that's very much the point of episode two is looking at the results of war on regular people. Um, and episode two, in a lot of ways, presages a lot of what we'll see in our next movie, Germany, Year Zero, with a young boy, a child, being forced into these situations of uh, corruption, um, being forced to steal in order to survive because of the nature of the world, uh, even under occupying forces that should be making things better uh but are not <laughs> yeah um episode three is an oh henry ironic love, sto- <laughs> love yeah, story yeah it is is intensely oh henry it, and not even like in a good way yeah. like it is yeah. it is i would argue the most the most mediocre of these um yeah, it's it's not my favorite, certainly. I mean, I don't have um, anything against love stories, but it's just, it feels like, pardon my sort of like distaste for it, but feels very stupid. It just feels kind yeah. of like a stupid story. Right. It is, it is also about the sheer amount of change that even the direct post-war trauma has inflicted on everyday people right too, right that that fred as a soldier and francesca as a civilian met each other right at the liberation of rome and six months later cannot recognize one another right fred because he's drunk but even francesca just from trauma response well i she, mean she she figures it out but um right but she doesn't recognize him right no i mean uh, i mean she impl- Eventually, with her, with him recounting this tale right. of a woman he met six months ago, who seemed to, by by all accounts, have been in love uh, and spent a lot of time together for a few days at least. Uh, six months later, she does not remember him at all. 
Um, well, and that's the thing, right? Is that like, I mean, this one is one of those. This one's strange in the sense that there's there are there are bone there are, there's meat on bones to pick apart here, but yeah. it's just not really very well rendered. Um, like, for example, like you get this idea that like to a certain extent, Joe uh, Fred is in a sort of like almost a sort of limbo suspended state, right? Like Fred's bemoaning. I mean, Fred has definitely endured trauma and that is probably part of why Fred is in a sort of constant drunken stupor. Yeah. But he's sort of in a suspended state where like he's lamenting along with other soldiers, like why aren't the Italian people like out in the streets celebrating us and like giving us whatever we want anymore. Uh, Right. And like, and that there is a certain like, very easy but also very well earned critique on American occupations and stuff like that of like wait like why don't you guys appreciate us anymore like yeah like that that sort of that sense of like um uh entitlement to oh we liberated you like why aren't you like literally just throwing like your alcohol slash yourselves at us at all times right like six months down the road right like it's like and and obviously we see that like no things have not gotten better in Rome, like the Allies have right. made it better, at least with regards to like from the time they arrived to now like she still doesn't have like the essentials that she needs and people's lives are still really bad right, um so she's right. you know we're supposed to understand but like so he's sort of in that weird limbo state whereas she's had to dramatically alter her life to yeah survive right and so like she's coming from a place of of a person who is dramatically altered whereas fred is essentially still basically the same person who arrived in rome six months ago right um he's more drunk he's definitely in worse shape but what i mean is he still wants rome to be like what it was when he arrived i think that's true but um Fred here is, I really feel, meant to be an explicit example of a soldier with PTSD. I mean, yeah, not, I, I, not I agree. able to deal with the situation of life directly after fighting. I, I agree with that, but I don't think this movie is, honestly speaking, meant to have very much sympathy for the Americans as people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely agree. I think that is true. I think we are supposed to understand that Fred drinks heavily as a self-medication. Um, yeah. That Fred doesn't just drink it heavily because uh, he just really, really likes to party. But, like, in the end, Fred is... I don't know that Fred... We don't know very much about Fred is part of the problem. But, like, Fred right. is not the main character of this. But, like, I just get this impression that, like, well, Fred is just essentially kind of just been sustaining a drunken state since he arrived six right. months. And so like, even if that is a trauma response, that trauma response hasn't evolved or changed at all in six months. Right. Fred is, in fact, Fred's gotten, I guess, except for the fact that Fred has gotten worse, probably, probably because being drunk every day for six months will make you worse. Uh, right. It will just make you in worse shape. Uh, but like, because you know, he's much more positive at the in the their first encounter that they recall, but um, 
I don't know. It, it's just interesting because it, it what it seems to place us in a position to think about is that like almost all of the inability to recognize each other comes down to her not her having gone through so much that she can't she isn't the same person and also can't recognize him as the same person. Right. Whereas his is just sort of almost waved away as well. He's drunk now and has been for six months. Um, right. Again, I, I don't think there. I'm not going against the idea that it is meant to be a PTSD character, like a character with PTSD. It just feels like we're not supposed to be that invested in Fred <laughs> as a person. Where? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're definitely because supposed the, to be very invested in her. The, the tragedy of this episode, the, tra- the tragedy of this episode is that Fred leaves town without reconnecting with her. And that is a tragedy for her and for him. Well, yes, um, but, like, we only get to see the emotional impact on her. That's fair. Like, we don't, this is not a, we're not splitting our main character here. We're not, like, we're not cutting to him and seeing I, what he thinks about it. Well, Given because the main the main focus he, of every one of these is the Italian people in it. Yeah, but given that he drunkenly, uh, the entire time he's talking to her, he is talking about this woman, uh, who he met previously, who is obviously the same woman. We know that dramatically. Well, yeah, dramatic you and, irony, you and but, I, you and I, will, yeah. we will, we will. Any case. Eventually, have a conversation about the fact that I do not know that, <laughs> and <laughs> right, I right, spent right, quite right, a bit right. of the movie the first time I watched it going, <laughs> "Wait a minute, are these the same person?" Right, um, right, right. Which is anyway, my own personal problem. I think the fact that he spends he he talks to this woman he believes to be a stranger, um, and a prostitute at that, uh, and instead of trying to engage her as a prostitute. Uh, he just talks about this woman he met before. Uh, you know, he's he's in a depressed state be- in part because he cannot find her. Yeah, uh, I mean, so we, that, we do get into sort of like, do I drink because I'm unhappy or am I unhappy because I drink kind of scenario. Right, but like, right. um, I, I agree, but like, he, I don't know. It, I, I find that his emotional experiences are hard to register with in this he's because like how much like i've been drunk before i just kind of ramble and say shit like you know what i mean like i don't know yeah maybe these are his true feelings um he says he's walked everywhere and tried to find everywhere to, to find her but like literally she's been literally in the same neighborhood you know what I, mean? I don't know it's sort of i i maybe we are supposed to sympathize with him but i don't think very much i don't think we're supposed to be that worried about him in the grand scheme right. of things because again he is also a you have to also take into account the fact that he is still an occupying force that arrived in this place and sort of just kind of strutted about for a while right and then leaves right it go it does go with the theme of like well we came and we will see you folks later. Hope you enjoyed all this right. liberty we gave you. Uh, until next time. He is still that, right? Like, if he cared, if it was really, really, really that important to him, there could be more. Mainly, it seems like he just sort of wanders around drunk trying to find her. 
gets drunk and then wanders around hoping to bump into this woman that he theoretically loves. Yeah. Maybe I've just very, very become maybe the second slash third viewing of this has made me very jaded about it. But like I, I just come to more and more recognize that like the Italians are really the actually only people that matter in this movie. The 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 Americans and the Nazis it, it as well are things for the Italians to bounce off of, for things to motivate and explain why the Italians are acting the way they're acting. But the Italians are the main characters, right? They have they're the focus. And so like I and I think it with this one, that's pretty clear, right? We follow her around. We see her trials and tribulations. We don't see his. We see him being drunk. And I and I don't know how much we're supposed to like how much Rosalind cares about him enough to like give him any sort of like yeah, maybe we Rosalind may have like built him off of things he saw and those were the things he saw were people with PTSD and so like right. But like right. I could very also read it like if I think back to some of the Japanese films that we've watched in the made in a similar area, there's a lot of drunken American soldiers wandering around causing a lot of havoc and a lot of American drunken soldiers like sort of like in in these sort of not very real relationships with a lot of like local people, right? Yeah, but there is Okay. Uh, she is in love with yes. him. That I will admit. All right. But I guess that doesn't mean... I, I don't know. I, I feel like the movie wants us to believe that Fred's feelings for Francesca are real. I, yeah, and they might be. And that, that, I, I, and that I, for whatever reason, uh, because he can't find her or because of other trauma from being a soldier or just because it is the nature of being an American in Rome at the time, uh, he's too drunk to act on those. Uh, desires right and and And, in the end that's a tragedy for her right yes but i think as an italian male uh i mean fellini worked on this movie it's a tragedy for him too right 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 but like i mean i (laughs) i don't know about that because i don't know how much fellini cared about the feelings of american of, of occupying american troops that's that's fair but i think more of just the the uh the tragedy of drunken impotence uh, is yeah, I mean, is maybe it's, something Fellini was after. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Fellini even worked I think on this it's one, mostly right? supposed so. to be, I mean, again, like, yeah, I don't know. For me, this is a movie about Italians, and we we follow yeah. her around. We know what she feels and thinks, and we right. only know right. what he thinks when he's drunk. Yeah. Um. Well, moving on to episode four, then, we get... One of the most, I think, physically set. Yes. In much the same as Rome, Open City is physically set in Rome. Episode four is physically in Florence. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, while this is Italian neo- New Realist and we are on real life locations, in so much of the rest of this movie, those real life locations are uh, not where they're supposed to be. But well, also aren't <laughs> like, really super important. Right, right, right. Like, like for episode five, it doesn't matter where that monastery is, but it's established as being in the north, 
and it's actually shot at a monastery in the south, which even that doesn't really matter except that all of the non-actors playing monks in that sequence are from southern Italy, so they had to all be redubbed so that we <laughs> anyone Italian right, and we we like when we get to that Italy. one, there's some interesting things to consider about like if you hire a non-actor and then you hire an actor to dub over a non-actor, do you still have <laughs> right, a non-actor? Right, right, like right. I don't know. Not at really. what point? At what point um, does your ship of Theseus fall apart here and and become yeah, like well, yeah. like, the dudes are still real, like wandering around making hand motions. <laughs> oh man, should we? Should we shoot a version of this movie ourselves where we're just leap, lip syncing to the to the uh, I mean it would basically uh, be the same thing yes right right uh to the overdubs anyway episode 4 episode 4 we get the opposite of episode 3 and it's you know it is uh a mirror right um we'll have to we'll have to think about uh, episode five as a mirror of episode two, I think. But six and one are certainly mirrors, and four and three are certainly yes. mirrors. And this is is um, very explicitly the only one that's not basically. I mean, one. Uh, this one was this. This is. I'm losing track. This is three. No, this is four. Four, four, is four. and six are the only ones that aren't definitely about specifically Italian. Right, 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 right. They're still about a sort yeah. of Italian experience, but they're not about Italian characters. Yeah, as the main character. Um, right. Well, I would say the main characters in five are not Italians either, uh, in as much as right. The, Although the chaplains are the main. Yeah, characters that's true. The, but I, I think themselves. we are supposed to resonate right. with the feelings of the monks in a lot of ways. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. Whereas in like six uh, and four, there's nobody to resonate with their feelings. We, Right. We're resonating with the feelings of our outsiders. Right. Um, so for our outsider is a uh, foreign and English nurse who has fallen in love with uh, who she believes to just be some Italian guy. But in the time it's been since she hasn't seen him, has become a local leader of the resistance in Florence. So in... In escape from New York fashion, <laughs> yeah. uh, her. I like to believe that this is a directive. It's an yeah. escape from New York. Yeah, uh, it is. It is about her and an associate of hers who is trying to reunite with his wife and son, moving through Florence uh, and crossing over into still Nazi-controlled territory. Um, over the one bridge that hasn't been destroyed, but for some reason isn't being guarded. No, it's not a I, bridge. It's a underground tunnel. No, it's is, a it's an overground. Tunnel. Is it an overground tunnel? That for is an enclosed bridge. I am yeah. very if confused. You look, then, yeah, because my yeah, impression was that it's two secret buildings. and the Nazis don't know about it. No, no, it was not secret. Very strange. Uh, it's the only place, uh, and the Nazis. It's famous. The Nazis definitely know about it. I don't know. I feel like there's um, a bunch of weird lines that imply that the Nazis haven't bombed well, it because they're not thinking about it or they don't recognize it or they don't understand it. I think... It's very strange. It is maybe one of those moments where the Nazis haven't blown it up because they recognize its historical importance. Um, because that is a thing no. that occasionally All right. comes Wikipedia up. Wikipedia backs me up risk their okay. lives to cross into the still-occupied city through the supposedly secret Vasari Corridor, which... There's no way it's there's no way it's actually secret. 
uh, maybe, I, I, I'm just maybe telling I missed you, like, establishment in the movie. Well, okay, uh, okay, back. Okay, let's let's work on this. Okay, I I want to I want to back up my point just a little bit. Okay, supposedly secret Vasari corridor, which when Rosalie filmed it was still mostly empty of its art collection. Uh, here's what I think. Okay, here's my thought process on this. One of the points of this, like a minor point, not a major point of this, is that we we our characters encounter a bunch of, I guess, British uh, military officers who have no fucking clue what they're looking at. Are looking out over Florence and are like, ha- are clearly just completely befuddled. They have no idea. They're trying to like make tactical calls about a city that they do not understand. It is reasonable to assume that the Nazis are exactly the same for Rosalie. For Russell- Again, this isn't a real story. It's not true. Yes, in real life, would the Nazis have known about this place? Yes. But so would the British who arrived. They all had right. like probably pretty reasonable intelligence about the cities they're invading. You know what I mean? But in the, in the world of the movie, they're all a bunch of fucking idiots who don't know anything about the cities they're attacking. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think it is. Right. I think it is a fiction, because they are crossing in secret. the 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 Italians on the side that they're on when they start tell them not to go. They don't want to give away the secret. They they are explicitly I told see. not to go by the Italians before they depart, because it will. If they get caught, the Nazis will find out about the corridor they've been using to get information secretly, which the policeman or whatever the fuck that guy is they meet over by the British tells that like the resistance fighter or whatever he is who's with the british who's like their sort of liaison or whatever tells them right, okay right, right, right. i shouldn't tell you about this but there's a corridor that like we're using to get information yeah okay uh i will accept that in the universe that's meant to be a secret i find it very hard to believe that in any actuality that is a believable secret i'm just telling you like i agree <laughs> I, that's why and I assumed that when they bridge. called it like what they called it, I was like, oh, this is an un- underground thing. And yes, I'm no. looking at pictures. It's very it's obvious. It's an overwater thing. It is, it not is very obvious. Thing. But like <laughs> And if you have gone if you have gone down that river blowing up all of the bridges, there's no reason you would that not you see think. that. Yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, somehow again, like the, the fucking British don't know, do not understand. I, I think they're British soldiers, right, that are doing the reconnaissance? Yeah. I feel like they have British accents. Right, right, right. Don't yes. know jack shit about this city. To the point where, like, hey, what's that? What's that thing over there? Like, I wonder what they're doing. Like, who? And then it's reasonable to assume that in the mind of Rossellini, for the purposes of this story, the Nazis also know nothing about anything. Are just yeah. fucking weird outsiders who don't have any goddamn clue what's going on and shouldn't be here in the first place. Have no business being here. Yeah. Um, okay. Not only not only do the Nazis know about it, uh, the larger windows were installed for an official visit to Florence by Adolf Hitler to give him a panoramic I'm view. I'm just of the river. saying. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I agree. In the real yeah. world, but like a lot of the shit in this movie, in the real world, doesn't make any damn sense. Right. 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 Yeah, I don't know. It breaks the realism of the moment. And I do like that the, what you read from Wikipedia o- earlier says it calls it supposedly yeah, secret. Yeah, even, which even I don't the Wikipedia is... acknowledges right. this is dumb as shit. But yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, in any case, uh, they make it through the city. And those British guys are really great because they're, they're 
you know, they're they're signal guys. They're trying to map out the city, and they don't even seem to have, have a no map. idea. Like they don't seem to have anything. Right. They're just they're like, which which bell tower is that? And they like they flag down our our uh, our supporter here. And ask him which which bell which church are we looking at? And and that guy's like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> just just on the one hand because he's so broken, but also I think probably he knows and he just these guys are idiots, so right? And like case. you're not going to do anything until the Americans arrive right. anyway. So why do I need to tell you anything? Yeah. Like because they, they explicitly right. are right. talking about right. like, well, we're waiting for the Americans. Right. It's like, oh well, I'll tell the Americans when they arrive. But also yeah. like the thing yeah. about it is also like. I don't know because I don't know Italian accents. I would also totally believe that they brought a dude not from at all from Florence with them to be like their helper, who's like yeah. I fucking I uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, oh, that that that's a purely like well, no, funny they asked, speculative. They asked the person. Oh, that's right. They asked, they asked one the of the guy guys who's, who's from there. With... Yeah, yeah. So it does. It's yeah. just he doesn't. I also, he's in a hurry. He wants to get out of there. He's like, I don't want to have a conversation right, with right. you guys. I want to get out he's of here. He's very distracted yeah. by the fact that he's trying to reunite with his with his family. Massimo is his name, by the way, the character. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like I like I said, it's it is a mirror to episode three. Uh, it is not one that ends happily. Uh, no, although the, yeah, I mean. Yes, that that is true. Episode for... three ends with with everyone alive but dead inside. Episode four ends with a ironic reveal uh, that um, Lupo is dead, as as Harriet in her you know, in her uh, support of the partisans uh, as a nurse as well. Uh, she is helping a wounded soldier, and the wounded soldier starts. As he's dying, it's like, oh, what a what a terrible day it's in. Lupo died this morning, and everything's bad. And I, I like I like how in your breaking of realism, the bridge is a bridge too far. But this guy just randomly mentioning, yes, I mean it's the leader, but like you're dying, dude. Like, right, that's right, what makes right, it a right. bad day. Like, listen, you're 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 literally you're right. bleeding to death, and you're talking about your boss. Right, right, right. Uh, his boss and his friend. I know, but like, I, mean, I feel like the communist partisans, they're all equal. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, but like, also <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It's just like all things in movies are fake and weird. What do you want? Right. That's fair. Um, That's fair. The things that are neat about this one, I, I this one is like certainly the most sort of, di- uh, until we get to number six, I guess six and this one are the two like most dynamic in the sense that like they're actually action move like Right, story. right. This is very much an action movie. This is action music. This is yeah. action shots. Which, which is a little is bit unexpected movie. when compared to the rest of the film, right? Like these vignettes take a yeah. turn towards action sort of suddenly um, with this one. Right. Uh, things that, And in, in, in a way that mirrors a lot of other sort of uh, this sort of action moving through a city. They also discover a cachet of people in hiding yeah. who are, you know, somewhat in awe that people have arrived who aren't trying to kill them. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. But also one of uh, them in a very like what is probably like the closest thing to a comedic scene in this that we get is um, that World War One vet who is just like mapping out the bombing strikes or whatever. Yeah. I guess just for yeah. entertainment. 
Because he's not like right. passing the information that much on to other people. It doesn't seem like he does have a runner who is running information somewhere, I guess. But like he's not enough. Like doesn't seem to be operating in an official capacity. He's just like, oh, okay, that's where that mortar round came from. That's. Do you, do you think in this one, there's an old woman who says, "It's the end of the world. We've sinned so badly." Uh, do you think that is a moment of Rossellini accepting responsibility on Italian fascists? No, I that, refuse to believe that. That we have created a society that would end in this way. Well, because it, it was the only inevitable ending. N- well, okay, but then in that situation, you would have to compare her to Pina in the last one who says, like, does God even hear us anymore? And, and is rebuffed right. by the priest. Like, that. no, that's... Right, 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 like, right. Well, it's actually told by the priest, like... Something very, very, like, you know, I forget exactly. He says something about their sins and stuff like that. But, like, I think that, like, I think what you're getting more there is more just a general sense of that, 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 that religious thought process of, like, we clearly did something to bring this upon ourselves, right? Yeah. Like, well, also, also very clearly, you know, living through the situation would be apocalyptic. Right, absolutely. So, you know. And, and. And I think you can you can believe you can both believe that like it's the apocalypse and you clearly must have done something to cause this like why has my God forsaken me and also not admit right. that like the thing you did was create fascism <laughs> you know right. what I mean like I don't know I'm I'm fully on board I've become more and more committed to the idea that that Rosalind is just not willing to acknowledge the idea that the fascists like that the problems in Italy were caused by well, the Italians themselves to acknowledge it would be to have to acknowledge his, his role complacency in, yeah. in the role. Yeah. So anyway, um, but well, let's move on to number okay. five. Uh, the only maybe. one, the thing I wanted to bring up though, about number of that one though, is just because it's interesting that the retired world war one veteran is a real retired world war one veteran. Yeah. And also, it's also interesting that Massimo was a former partisan. As well, yeah. Which are just they're interesting things to to bring up, just because it. I've. I don't know that the, that especially with the World War One vet. I don't know that that adds anything or takes anything away. It's just a like a. An interesting thing. Oh, there is one other interesting bit from from episode four that we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, and that is at some point in here in the crowd of people in that. Uh, church they walk through i think um is julietta messini in her film debut yes um obviously we will see a lot of her moving forward um fellini's wife who is frequently in fellini movies um it's it's also worth noting that apparently one scene in this is his film directing debut oh fellini yeah fellini's directing debut is like a scene in this particular sequence in this particular uh interesting section yeah. Um we'll talk a little bit more about it next week where it really comes up, but uh moving into at least by the time of Germany Year Zero, uh Rossellini style, the way like he wrote his script was so was much more establishing stylistically what was going to happen because most of the most of the actual acting and and uh dialogue was improvised at any given moment. Um 
so there, they talk about it in the bonus material around Germany Year Zero that uh, assistant directors could shoot exactly as Rossellini would have shot it, whether or not he was on set, mm-hmm. because because his notes were so explicit as to to what what he wanted. Um, yeah, interesting. All right, so moving on to episode yes. five, um, which is again a sort of comedic one, um, which is great because uh, we need we need that r- reprieve yeah between the death of lupo and what's coming in episode six yeah. uh but but we get uh as i said this takes place at a monastery and it's set in the north even though it's shot in the south um and yeah as you were talking about what what's the point of even doing that like it's really weird. the whole thing is weird it's like yeah. like yeah, like the the actress in episode one, um, the girl who played Camilla, was from was from I think Florence, and was not could not even speak Sicilian. So like she's completely overdubbed, and like what is, yeah, I if, mean if you're doing a project this large, what is the point of not doing it, whole hog and and explicitly getting your, only sourcing your non-professional actors from the area where you're actually setting and shooting in the same area that you're actually setting. Yeah, it's a really it's work. a lot of really strange like I really feel like to to a certain extent that like that non-actor, I don't know, like as we've gone through this this whole we talked about this last week as we've gone through this whole project, I've become less and less willing to buy into the non-actor sort of rhetoric. <laughs> Right, like, right, I really right. don't know why. I don't get what the whole thing was supposed to. At this point, like, I don't get what the whole thing was supposed to be about because it's it's what like those monks act more like real it's, monks because they're real monks from the south because like, they are real monks. Well, yes, yes, but, but also like you couldn't find real monks from the north; they don't exist. Or yeah, with I mean, maybe that's too hard. I can get that one makes kind of sense like oh shit like we do not want to like have to fly monks down like drive monks down from the north uh maybe but with bresson it's a rejection of artifice right right? well and bresson's sort of to his to its own extent is sort of a uh a special case right like right bresson is sort of the extreme version of this idea there are there are other realists who it is also a rejection of artifice. Rossellini does not seem to be that. Same no, I don't artifice. get that impression because yeah, like all that dubbing and everything is is hyper. Right, it's like an almost a hyper yeah. embracing it's all of artifice. artifice. Yeah, right. Yeah, you haven't even written the dialogue until after you've shot the shots. Right, that's like, that's like yeah. What that's are you like talking about? Literally, if yeah. you were supposed to like describe what artifice is, like ta da. Here yeah. it is. Um, and, like, again, I get, like, not wanting right. to, maybe not wanting to get monks all the way down from the north or something like that. Maybe that's a pain in the ass. But, like, you don't think that a professional actor could pretend to do what the monks are doing in this? Because it ain't complicated. Right. right. Yeah. And you, in the end, everything they, the monks said were words of professional actors anyway. All the words that right. come out of their mouth are professional actor words. Right. Right. Yeah. So we have the story of three chaplains, a uh, a priest, a minister, and a rabbi. 
there are no bars. It, it <laughs> there are no bars, but it is as much of a joke as that sentence yeah. established it as. Uh, <laughs> so they've come, and we we see the monastery a little bit before they arrive, and there's uh, talk of of providence, um, and the monks are helping the poor people around their neighborhood, even to their own detriment. Uh, so the chaplains arrive and yeah, uh, are talking <laughs> like the, the priest is describing the history of the place. Like they're here, they're here as sort of a museum tour. Yeah. It's, right? it's a very, the setup is, I would argue that in many, in some ways the setup to this, I think it must be intentional, right? Like it has to be intentional, has this sort of feeling of like, uh, we're certainly emphasizing the idea of like these people who are just going to show up, kind of wander around, look at stuff, and then leave. Right, right, right. These, all of these people at the Catholics' behest, are treating this monastery like colonial Williamsburg. Yes, uh, you know, um, and there's artifice there too, I suppose, if we want to talk about that. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the monks themselves. I don't know that I I've got it stuck in me in interpretation of episode five where I know it's not true because Rossellini was not uh, was not religious. In fact, he, he was sort of I mean, he was not religious as much one who grows up in uh, Italy can right. be non-religious. Right. It is a it, there's a Christian hegemony in the society he's growing up in. Uh, so he has a relationship to Christianity and an innate understanding of Christianity. Uh, but in episode five, it really feels like the thrust of the narrative of this episode is the Catholic priest, American, the American priest, uh, recognizing that he's gone astray. I would agree. No, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I. I didn't necessarily, the first time I watched it, interpret it that way. But in second viewing, I'm like, that end presentation, whether or not it's maybe just to, like, plaster over, like, you know, holes in the wall to, like, get the hell out without, like, they're being, yeah. they're actually actually starting an Inquisition. Um, like, right there, there is a feeling that he is acknowledging that, like, I'm not doing real Catholicism anymore. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I fucked up. I'm not has... a real Catholic anymore or something like that. I so, agree. I don't know what we're supposed to take away from that. I yeah. This one is simultaneously extremely clear and also somewhat baffling. I right. don't know what we're because, supposed to take away. Because in its, in its clarity, it presents a message that I cannot imagine being the message that we're meant to take. Right. But yeah. there is really just no other way. So... Yeah, the the monks discover that uh, one of the priests is a Protestant, and even worse, uh, one of them is Jewish. Uh, and it's the whispers about the Jewish one are what what we see traveling right. Like the Lu then, the him being a Lutheran sort of, is like attack on right. like hey. Also, the other one, the <laughs> yeah. other one is is the per you know is is Lutheran. Yeah. Ooh, and like and and I do like. I do like that they say Luther, the worst, of, the worst of all <laughs> yeah, Protestants. Yeah. It's very funny. It is a, it is a uh, funny line. Yeah, but so they confront our Catholic chaplain, um, who explains 
who tries to present this uh, religious pluralism from a Catholic point of view, right? Uh, which is fine. Um, he's not quite as assertive in that as he could be in a way where, you know, he's hemming and hawing, right? Purposefully in like, he's not meant to have for this to be a well thought out position. He's justifying what he's done in front of these other Catholics. Uh, and I feel like, I feel like the narration, uh, or the, I feel like the narrative wants us to believe that these monks are better Catholics than him. And that's a good thing. Uh, I, 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 my only, the only like, okay, the only argument I can make that would go against that. And it's very, it's kind of a weak argument, but I think it may be kind of like part of what wrestling is going for maybe in a double sort of thing is the idea, not just that like there's this sort of Catholic thing and the idea that he's not a real Catholic, but it's certainly not a real Catholic priest, but there's, I think a secondary thing of like, they just don't get us. It's, it's a reemphasis of this idea that the Americans just don't understand what it is to be Italian. That they don't get, right. that they're just wandering through and don't actually understand anything around them, right? And like, I I think that may, if if that is Rossellini's main point, then he's accidentally also made a pro Italian Catholic church, uh, right, 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 section right, right. maybe on accident, but I don't I don't believe you could make this one on accident, uh, except for maybe the idea that like I mean. Okay, and I'm giving him a lot of credit here. The idea that, like, if the priest, the American priest is just trying to plaster over the problem, then, like, that would lo- go along with, like, they they say the things we want to hear just to make us happy so that we'll leave them alone. That's fair. That could be it. Uh, because, he, yeah, he is just trying to placate them in everything he says. Uh, but I don't know. He's emotional in his. That's what. That's why I right? say that I'm not convinced that that's Rossellini's point. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Rossellini himself says he believes in nothing, but we see frequently throughout, uh, throughout his film career, he's making religious films. He makes adaptations of the Gospels, stories of Jesus. He makes stories of saints. We've seen. Uh, his uh, St. Francis movie before. Um, yeah. Um, it's also possible... And, but he, Go ahead, sorry. But uh, going back to Vittorio Mussolini's comment on Rossellini, that he is neither anti-fascist nor fascist. Uh, Rossellini is neither anti-Christian nor Christian uh, in that he is perfectly willing to, to make secular films. In fact, the film he was working on when he died, that we talked about previously... Um, not that we've seen it, but we this has come up in previous conversation. What he was working on when he died was a biography of Marx, that he was sort of putting Marx into a line of, he made a movie about Socrates, he made a movie about Jesus, he made a movie about St. Francis. Marx right. is just another great thinker to make a movie about, and it's not advocating anybody it's, or, or uh, right. yeah. denigrating them. It's just presenting well, them. Right, yeah. And... and- I that yes I I think that that does I agree that the, the sort of the mercenary nature of Rossellini as a as an artist does lend me to believe that he doesn't necessarily believe or disbelieve or at least we don't know what he is like inside right like we don't really know his right. internal thing like you know he certainly grew up Catholic and definitely know and, yeah and 
it's kind of weird to watch this many Rossellini movies and still not know, know how he feels. Yeah. What he is internally. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. and I think that goes to certain to a certain extent to that sort of mercenary nature uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. But what I would say is that also, if if we're going to talk very mercenary, that another read on this is like Rossellini is trying to sell a movie that people will watch, and the Catholic Church is very, very, very important in Italy, and the idea of like kind of having a section that talks about how the Americans are don't get our religion don't get our Catholicism and don't and it's not as important to them as it is to us it might be a really good way to sell help like make a movie go over well with your audience right that's fair that's like, fair. I mean that's being that's the opposite of what I did earlier where I gave him too much credit I'm giving him very little credit as a human being here but nonetheless right, right. Uh, both could be true. Neither could be true. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, the monks decide to fast, uh, to, and pray for divine intervention. That the Which, okay. Let's might. Yeah. That might convert that fasting. Boy. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's a level of emotional blackmail that only a grandmother would be willing to engage in. <laughs> I had that grandmother, yes. and I had that grandmother. Yeah, too. and boy, uh, like it sure feels like. All right, if you don't admit that maybe Jesus is was a thing, we're not eating. Is a right, is a real, right, right. real, 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 real and, r- and grandma move to make? We're not gonna, we're not gonna stop you. Oh yeah, eating. for sure, for sure. But but we're not going to eat. Yeah, it's, it's such, like maybe it's, you it's should just eat. a double yeah, plus no, on like, top of that. It's very good and emotional blackmail, passive aggression. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and then to have to have the priest respond as if that emotional blackmail was so moving to him that he recognized and you have tra- you have taught me a lesson in true faith is literally what he says. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. <laughs> no, and so and and that and what what is fascinating about it is it leaves you and I and I assume anyone who watches it that takes it like does real serious analysis on it with this problem of like was that real was that not real yeah like what what are you what are you trying to say right which i think maybe is the point right it's like to maybe maybe one could argue that if we do take him as a sort of mercenary figure this is the most perfectly crafted one he's ever made (laughs) like i don't know what it's saying uh we watched the whole thing i've watched it nearly three times i yeah cannot definitively give it any argument for what it's trying to say beautiful work perfect perfectly yeah. right down the middle right 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 uh whereas episode six clearly has a point yes. nazis suck um, nazis suck yeah um yeah episode six is the story of uh three american oss agents who are uh supplying guns to dissidents behind enemy lines uh which in any any other time period other than 1944 northern italy uh would be a terrible thing. right would be uh, well, but, you would hope the movies about the other side right like <laughs> right 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 um but these are good dissidents uh who are not uh working to overthrow a democratically elected communist government in south america right, exactly or or, or, Asia, or, or southeast yeah. asia or lots of places uh, really Central africa or uh yeah 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of places. Um, but yeah. Uh, the It's interesting here because the partisans are uh, active in this. But honestly, none of them made an impression. No, on me they they enough. have very few lines, bordering on almost yeah. no lines. Um, yeah, they're not individually identifiable in any real meaning. They don't. Most of them don't have names. They are yeah. they are the partisans, like they are a, almost creditable as a group. Bear in mind, they are all actual right. real partisans, which is interesting from a sort of just sort of film history sort of perspective, I guess. Right. Uh, just. Literally, it seems like went out and got a bunch of former partisans. And were like, "Hey, you want to make a movie about what you did during the war?" Um, which is which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, they don't. They're not. It's about the American leader. That that's who it's about. That's that's the main character of this. Um, which makes it a bit of a a fairly big departure. I in my feeling from basically most of the rest of the film. Uh. Because he's the main character, he has all the lines, he does all all the heroic actions. It's all him. Uh, right. And I don't know, I don't firmly understand why Rosalind would want to make this a part of his movie that he made. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's interesting to watch, it's fascinating. Uh, How... How in charge are the Americans by the time this comes out? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know what the timeline of American occupation is like. I don't know when it's like over and things like that. I just don't know how long they hung around. Uh, that's, uh, I agree. Like it's very like confusing I can, to get. A I can get the that. facts. I can get the facts of when battles were fought and when when the Nazis were pushed out, but. A thing I actually by, have trouble understanding is how much was Italy actually occupied. Right, you know what I mean. I know the sort of uh, vaguely the timeline of German occupation, but I sort of like always end up getting the impression that like Italy wasn't really occupied all that much. Right, we get that moment because maybe because the regime the change happens movie. before the war ends. Yeah, right. We get that moment in talking about the last movie where uh, there is an American in charge of deciding the state of the Italian film right. industry. But in that's Rome like literally like the year that. Rome falls, right? Yeah. Like, right. So, who knows? Uh, it it doesn't. Yeah, it it's not something that gets talked about, no. and because of that, I imagine that it maybe just sort of didn't exist. That's uh, sort of been my know. impression too. Which I don't know if that's accurate, right? Like, it's hard to figure out, right? Yeah. Uh, in balance against what that means, as far as allies putting people back into power as opposed to the Italians voting them back into power quite quickly. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. In any case, um, you know, it, you talked about the ending of episode five being to make sure this got sold well in Italy. Well, the ending of episode six is to make sure this gets sold well internationally. I, I would like generally that. agree. I think that is true. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it, the allies are the heroes in this one, and they are sacrificial heroes in this one. Like one of them um, literally dies. The the main character literally dies trying to like stop the murder of his partisan allies. It's right. It's it's everything you would want in a war movie, right? Like right, 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 right. Yeah, it's very much 
yeah, this is not only is this more of a war movie than you know, Rome Open City is a uh, a resistance melodrama. This is an active war movie, right? That is using footage of active wars set in places where uh, war was active very recently, um, and yeah, uh, it's it's an action movie in parts, uh, particularly part four, but also uh, part six is a uh, it's an action thriller, yeah, uh, you know, a spy sort of thing, um, yeah. And, and and it and it really goes. This one is really, I feel like, also intended to intensify the the like point about the Nazis, right? Like it's it's really to like right. drive home. They had to fight the Nazis all the way up through Italy, every step of the way. The Nazis were bad, and I mean the Nazis are yeah. real, real, real bad in this one, right? Like I mean, like right. we see the sort of full extent of the horrors of what they're willing to do, right? Um, yeah, they're committing war yeah. crimes, and like, like nonchalantly, right? Like very casually, just yeah. doing them as a part of their of their efforts here, and like, um, and like the movie emphasizes at the very end that like they're doing these war crimes, like literal months before they're they they're complete withdrawal from it, right? Right, like before like it's completely over, which is helps us as an audience and it, it intensifies just how like fucked up the death of these partisans is right they're they're doing war crimes literally on their way out the door right yeah uh yeah and not like extra evil war crimes. yeah no like, like purposely they're not just, heinous. They're not just yeah. yeah they're not just executing the partisans they're drowning them alive right like they're drowning them alive. They murdered an entire family and left a single child wailing alive. It's it's fucked up right, shit. Right. Like it's we are supposed to walk away going, boy, those Nazis did some fucked up shit. Which, yeah, they did. Accurate. And you know, it, even the the first the first scene we see in this one is a dead body holding a warning sign right. floating down the river. Right. You know, it's. I mean, yeah, it's like um, and and. It is what I think in the end what we're really part of what we're supposed to take away from this one is that like a sort of a if we're supposed to think about this all sort of philosophically is Russell has done a lot of in a lot of these ones leading up. There's a lot of sort of like tacit complaining about the Americans, right? Like mm-hmm. from a, from an Italian perspective. But I think this one's supposed right. to submit home. But hey, we really do appreciate your efforts. Kind of, you know what I mean? It's sort right. of like to wrap up, like, just so you know, we still are really glad you kicked the Nazis out. Right, right, like, right, 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 right. Like, we complain out of love. <laughs> we 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 appreciate all of your hard work getting rid of the Nazis, despite you guys being a bunch of uncultured assholes who wandered through the country breaking shit. Um, it's kind of a feeling I get from this. Uh, and again, yes, also selling very well overseas. Specifically... Bearing in mind that they now have a quote unquote American distributor who provided the money, who is just a dude who stole film, apparently. But right, right, but right. He's gonna go sell this movie in America. Boy, having the Americans look good in it probably will help that sell some tickets. Also, bear in mind the Americans have money that they can spend. 
which nobody <laughs> right. fucking else does. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so part of the bonus features for each of these are Rossellini being doing an interview at Rice University. I did not watch any of that, just so you know. I, think, I did not see any yeah. of that. Some of them are... A lot of interesting stuff comes up in that it's sort of a... He's sort of being interviewed by two Rice professors, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. Who obviously are like film professors who are very interested in talking to Rossellini as a filmmaker with an audience that's very interested in hearing Rossellini talk about his life as a filmmaker. Um, but the Paisan one, I don't know if it's Rossellini buying into his own myth by 1970, but but Rossellini talks about Paisan particularly as a film that strips away artificiality and is more pure. Which is wild to me because, like, very clearly to me, like, deep in my heart, Rome Open City is clearly more pure and, like, right, lacks right, artificiality. Right. There's, yeah, there's more artificiality in this one. Um, he talks about in the introduction, each, each of these films also comes with an introduction for the film being shown on French television uh, at some point, I think in the 50s. Uh, maybe 60s. Um, and in that one, he talks about uh, how the stories are the roughest of sketches, that they're all plausible, but neither true nor false. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's just, there is a, we've already talked about it. There's a lot of artificiality. There's, a, there's actually, I mean, like, uh, there's a yeah. lot, a lot. Um, I would say that. To a certain extent, I wonder, despite the fact that Rome Open City in many ways launches a movement in many ways in France and and produces a lot of people who try to produce that style, I wonder if, to a certain extent, Rosalie doesn't like how rough that one is. I think that that might be true. Because by saying this is like his most pure and a lot of other things like that, it seems like he's purposely not acknowledging the first like the first yeah. one like I mean, as 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 far as i'm concerned robo city is the better movie i agree i could read completely like yeah. robo city is hands down for me a better movie like i enjoyed watching it i got more out of it i feel like it it's saying more and has more to say than this does um yeah this one yeah yeah like he i i wouldn't be surprised if he buys is buying into his mythos a little bit and a part of that is sort of ignoring something that is as rough as Rome Open City was. Right. Well, um, if we're going to accuse uh, Rossellini of doing bad self-examination, we need to self-examine too. Okay. Uh, how much of our negative feelings about this movie is that it is at least in part pro-America propaganda? I mean, uh, yes, but like really like, I I understand where you're coming from, and it's certainly part of it because you and I have very much our own specific biases. I mean, it doesn't matter that our biases are correct, uh, right, that we right, are right. right. Um, but, like, really, the end one is the only one that is really truly pro-American. Uh, yeah. Like, the first one is, is, is America neutral, maybe slightly pro-America. It's hard to say that one because, like, I don't know. The first one, the Americans are bad, but they're not as bad. Right, as which Americans. is like it's hard to read that. Like maybe that's pro-American. I don't know. Um, they are yes, and they yes, exactly. Whereas 
every other one is seems to be kind of ri- like kind of poking fun at the Americans and how kind of out of place and not great at this that they are and stuff and like and some little things like that and kind of like how much like buffoons who cause trouble they are and 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 that sort of stuff. So it's like I don't know. Like I wouldn't call the monk one pro-American propaganda. You know what I mean? And the and the one where they're sneaking through the city is not. It's like she's American, I guess, but like not really. Her Americanness is not truly all that relevant to. Well, she's British. Her, what exactly? Also. I couldn't even remember. Yeah. I was like, is she British or is she American? Is it's almost irrelevant to what she's doing. Um, so she's speaking Italian through the whole thing to the point where uh, while they're trying to cross the street in the final sequence and the guy gets shot in the doorway across, she says, oh, my God. And her speaking English, like, took me out. Yeah, of I know. I, I understand. Like, I, forgot, yeah. I forgot that she's like, why did somebody Italian. shout? Oh, my God. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. You forget because she speaks perfect Italian, at least as far as I know. It sounds the same as everybody else. Um, I don't know who that actress is. Um, makes me wonder, did she get dubbed over by an Italian actress? For the Italian stuff, possibly. Uh, yeah, That would know. be in line with everything else we've seen. The problem is there's right. no good cast list on this one Wikipedia. It's very strange. <laughs> right. It's, it doesn't have the, like, normally the cast lists are enumerated, like, character name and then person. This one's not. It's like, a, I feel like I should submit some sort of, like, thing to Wikipedia. Like, could you fix this article? Like, this one's not done correctly. You didn't follow your own formatting rules. What are you doing? Um, so she's played by Harriet Midden. I can't remember. Um, the the character's it. name is Harriet yeah. as well. Um, and Harriet is she? The actress is American, right? Actually. She's but, from Massachusetts, uh, um, which is less surprising. I mean, she worked she, while she's British in the movie. Yeah. She's not. Her British accent isn't that great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I assume that she is overdubbed, but I. Don't I think she would have to be because I don't think she. It doesn't anywhere sort of like she's one of Geiger's recruits, which many of them were to like just were just brought over sort of semi seemingly apropos of nothing to uh Right. Offered film work in Italy, Harriet met her director Rossellini and Paisan's dialogue coach uh Federico Fellini. But like doesn't acknowledge whether or not she actually spoke Italian or not. Yeah, who yeah, knows? We don't know. Uh but either way, she is it it is a little weird. <laughs> like she's just an Italian person in this movie, basically in that scene. Um, so, yeah, I've lost track of the question we were trying to answer. I believe we were trying to answer the question of: Do we is it do we not? Or do we dislike this movie more because we don't like watching American war propaganda? Right. Um, I, right. Again, I don't know. It's hard to separate your own biases. I would lean towards. Maybe a little bit, but not all that much. Yeah, probably. Just because the Americans don't end up figuring in as really very important characters to me in most of the parts of the film. Yeah, with the exception of part yeah, except six, with, yeah, with the exception of part six and part five. 
Well, part okay. five is but weird. Anyway. Part five, again, we talked about that. Like, the Americans right. are important, but only as a as a sounding board for th- the monks in yeah. a weird way. Like, I don't know. That one's a weird one. Do you want to? Do you want to take it? Let's let's try okay. this. Episode one is obviously a mirror of episode six, and episode three is obviously a mirror of episode four. So, in what ways is episode two a mirror of episode? So in five? episode two. Pasquale and, and the drunk soldier. Yeah, it's it's weird Americans wandering through a place they have no business being and not understanding anything about it. Right. And uh, and ultimately bringing gifts. Bringing gifts uh. and learning and, and eventually learning and kind of getting some minor <laughs> insight into what it actually is. Learning a lesson that makes them want to run away. Yeah, yeah basically. Uh, and, and more than that, like I think the sort of like to take that deeper beyond just sort of a lesson that makes them run away. Eventually, learning the lesson being learning that about the truth of the thing, yeah. uh, not a full glimpse, like not fully understanding, but getting a glimpse of the truth of the thing that they've just sort of been blundering around in, right? Like uh, Joe gets a, a a a glimpse of like what real the real city is like what 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 the real situation of italians is like and like just has to get the hell out of dodge like is not prepared for that and the chaplains get especially the the catholic priest gets a view of like what like the monastery actually is which is a bunch of people who don't even actually see the world the way he does like they are catholic he he has this reverence for this place as a sort of a museum piece, as a sort of like Catholic heritage, like point. Right, right, right. And he backs it up. Right, he defends it to the other chaplains about like what, like both of them kind of like comment yeah, about how the, this is innate, like not as the theological the theological debate about the the uh, uh, benefits of uh, monastic living is all in fun. Even within the no, I know, I know, but but right. what I'm saying is, is so, that's but that's like the thing you do at an amusement park, like like it's what you do at right. Colonial Williamsburg, right? right and then right, right. at the very end, he gets a view of what it, the thing actually means, what the thing actually is, which is like they're gonna f- try to fast the Jewness away from this person, or like fast out the Martin Luther out of this person, and that's. Yeah weird like that's like a thing that like he has to deal with and he essentially tries to like get that to back out of right like he kind of like gives a and like we again we don't know because the back part of the problem is number five is fucking indiscernible it is it is inscrutable right. i do not know what point russell uh, is trying to make but i think that is the mirror that you get there is this idea that they, he gets a glimpse of the real thing and it kind of scares him. It it, it, sh- right. it if nothing else, it shocks him. Like uh, the Tag Gallagher um, piece at the very end talks about the idea of like they 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 go into a place and then they 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 develop an impulse generated by like this womb. Tag Gallagher makes one of the grossest analyses I've ever seen in a movie, talking about how they keep entering these wombs where they're like. They learn something and then feel an impulse based on that. Uh, I didn't enjoy listening to that description. He does it a lot. Um, but 
it's a decent point in the sense that like they go to the to go to a place and they all feel compelled to do a thing after that. And a lot of times it's run away. And the priest's impulse isn't necessarily to run away, but it's possibly to like try to paper over things and just like get it good enough till like bedtime and then we leave tomorrow. <laughs> like get through dinner and then leave. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that sense, I think you're right. I think the mirror thing holds up, like, for real. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it's a little more obtuse. Uh, a, a, uh, a mirror darkly, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, it. they're definitely all meant to be mirrors, you know just had to put a little extra thought into how that one's a mirror. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, next week we'll finish this up with Germany year zero, uh, which unlike these two is made in Germany, at least principally in Germany, um, with Germans, all the exteriors are shot in Germany. Uh, but they did come back to Italy to do interior shots for Germany year zero, which again, uh, I don't know. Rossellini doesn't really feel all that ideologically. He talks about this one as being uh, getting out of the church of the studio. Uh, whereas, I don't know, he doesn't really seem ideologically uh, committed to that idea as much as right. he pretends he is. And, and again, we, we keep coming back to it. We'll talk about this next week, but like we keep coming back to the to sort of the resonant point of like, I mean, you're going to have a hard time getting more out of the church of the studio than Rome Open City. Just a bunch of people running around with film scraps, like shooting like shots that maybe they didn't even have the film to like finish. Outdoors, just, I don't know. That seems like about as far out of the studio system as you could possibly be. But okay, we'll talk about that next week. Right. Ah, anyway. This week it's been Paison from 1946, again directed by Roberto Rossellini, the middle film of the uh, trilogy of war films box set, uh, and we're finishing up with Germany Zero, and we're finishing up with Germany Year Zero next week. Thank you so much for listening, to Lost in Criterion. I'm as always the Adam Glass. With me as always, John Patrick Otardorga, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.